Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. My name is Sunny. I am here with my co-host, Caleb. Hello! And, of course, we are here with the one, the only, GGYGO. What is up, my dude? How's it going, everyone? Well, we have some really cool stuff to cover. We are covering it again (laughs) because the bots hate us, but that's okay. We don't mind recording another bunch of content for you guys because we always do so uh we're gonna give this another shot and hopefully these recording bots can actually do their job for once yeah uh, i'm saying that with them in the room they're gonna hear me and we're gonna get nothing again (laughs) probably (laughs) okay before we get too far in yes i want to of course thank all of our patreons so a huge thank you to Cam Yang, Austin Johnson, Salix, Kane Martin, Damian Zinke, Gate Guardian Support, HZH Cyber, Marshawn Jones, Witchcrafter Main 2022, Zyphorus, Zephyrius, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Lila, Brandon, Dank Nugs, Invoked Fart, Kevin Hugh, MBT's Big Ol' Bussy, Mountain Man, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rudolph, Sneaky Links, Virtually Saviors, World, What Does Pot of Greed Do, Old Man Red, Ray Powell, Rota to Three Please, and Slaking It Up. Thank you all for your continued support. And I just want to put this out there. If you are a patron, please make sure that your shipping address is on your Patreon account. If it is not, then Patreon does not have a way to ship you your merch that you have earned for being a patron. So 
If you don't have a shipping address, especially if you're in the five, 10 or $20 tiers, be sure to put that in. Also, if you want me to read a really dumb name, it only costs you a dollar a month. Just keep it kind of not explicit. So with that said, if you want to support the podcast, though, at no extra cost to you, be sure to check out our TCG player affiliate link. The link is in the description down below. Also, if you want to come check out our remote dual locals, those take place every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. They are free to enter. They are mostly about helping people get better at the game. And of course, we do have an invite system to a tournament that we'll be running later this year that will have prizing. And all you have to do is earn your invite by playing in our locals. If you want more information for that, just join the Discord server. And we have moderators as well as myself and Caleb that are always willing to help out. Also, be sure to check us out on Twitter. And did I forget anything? None I can think of. Okay, cool. I think I got it on the first try that time. So before we forget, because we forgot last time until the end of the episode, we do have a new product to talk about. We do want to talk just for a moment about the secret shiny box that was announced that was released in the OCG last year. We have an announcement for coming to the TCG this year. It's a pretty cool product. It'll have 70 of some kind of an oversleeve, I believe, as well as 60 or 70 of some generic either Witchcrafter or Sky Striker sleeve. And it will have a lot of OCG imports as well as maybe some TCG reprints. We aren't for certain what all will be in the box yet. It doesn't come out till November the 4th. So we have a lot of time for this to get pushed back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... But this will be the introduction of things like probably Aileron, which is a Sky Striker card, and then Sky Striker Linkage, as well as what's the level seven Mecha Kaiju guy? Uh, Harry. Yeah, that. Yes. Um, and all of those cards are, of course, pure cope, but they're there. Um, I mean, it's still going to be a really cool product because the oversleeves and the undersleeves. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the accessories are what sells this product to me, but you'll also get four packs of five cards each, all in ultra rare, I do believe. But so it'll be similar to the dual overload product or the dual power product. And I mean, dual overload was one of the best products of all time. The imports that we got on top of the actual new cards and the reprints blowout set really good set so be keeping your eye out for that if you're a sky striker player be ready uh linkage is the only card that's not pure cope um but i don't know uh i know gary you're not very pilled on linkage but i know a lot of people are but I just don't believe that card's very good. Um, I think that there's a lot of better options out there, especially if you just want to play like blind going second, or if you are going first, I feel like, again, there's just other cards that I prefer to run. Um, there is the big hassle of that card locking you into striker extract monsters. And just in testing online with that card, that comes up a lot when you're trying to like OTK, even through like access code, or how like Hulk Selene's very popular, um, or even some of the Charmers. And the ability to not be able to go into those is really hard. Um, so I, I feel like it's nice because it's more ways to ray, but it's also like such a downside as well. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, take that to heart if you're a Sky Striker player. Uh, that the cards potentially cope. <laughs> but in the meantime, let's go ahead and get on into our main topic of discussion, which is, of course, we're going to be doing some meta analysis and we're going to be doing a little bit of the... So we're going to do coverage of YCS Guadalajara, which was this past weekend in Guadalajara, Mexico, as well as we're going to be talking about some tech choices that you can run in your deck to give it that extra oomph against these meta decks that you might be seeing. So let's go ahead and get on into the YCS breakdown. So what we have is we have 17, I'm sorry, no, 20... We have 25 of the top 32, and we have all of what made it to top 16. So, a full breakdown of those 25 that we have are, we have 9 Despia, 5 Destiny Adventure Prank Kids, 4 Sword Soul, 2 Adventure Phantom Knight DPE, 1 Tribe Brigade Branded, 1 Adventure Cybers Eldritch DPE, 1 Adventure Dragon Link DPE, 1 Adventure Salaman Grade DPE, 1 Adventure Synchro, and 7 Unknowns. And as far as what made it into the top 16, we have five Despia, four Prank Kit, three Sword Soul, one Tribrigate Albaz, the, Cyber- the Cybers Eldritch, the Adventure DPE Dragon Link, and the Adventure DPE Salamangrate. So, it's an interesting breakdown. I don't know that it is entirely representative of what the meta really looks like right now, but it's interesting to see the representation that Despia has here. <clears throat> I don't know that I would necessarily call Despia just flat out the best deck, but it is very good. And I think that this is evidence of that, as well as it flat out won the event. So a huge, huge congratulations goes out to Andres Torres, who won the event. He is absolutely in the pantheon of the greatest players of all time. He is absolutely insane at the game. And he now has more YCS wins than anybody ever. He has five YCS wins. That's more than Billy Brake. That's more than guys like Patrick Hoban. I mean, he is absolutely cracked at the game. And that is, keeping in mind, last weekend at YCS Bogota, he got top four. And a month ago at YCS Charlotte, he had he got top eight playing Despia before the structure deck came out. Dude's dude's on a different level. He really is. So, <clears throat> let's talk for a minute about Despia. And let's talk for a minute about what makes this deck so good. We talked about it a lot in the last episode, but it's worth discussing a little bit more in depth here. And Gary, I would really like to hear your thoughts specifically on what exactly makes this deck such an interesting threat. So... I really like Despia for the simple fact that it just has a lot of ways to be able to play around hand traps, to dodge hand traps um, by things like Branded and Red. It also just has a lot of really good utility in the deck and being able to summon things like the Mirror Jade. um, Go into even Dragoon against certain matchups is really still a big deal. Um, Even though it's less of a deal against decks like Sword Soul and um, other ones in the meta currently that just... Because, like, the meta now, it's so much more different than what it was before. Because before, if you summoned a Dragoon, it just felt like it was GG in the chat. But, like, yeah. now, it just, like, it's so much different. And I think that that's really noteworthy, too. Because the the game, it really does show that it, it doesn't really need much to um, 
swing into one deck's favor. For example, like we saw a Plunder Patrol not too long ago where the deck was rather just not great. And then we saw them get one card being the Raven. Um, and now we see the Despia deck where even though it was performing before and it gets that one structure deck with realistically a couple cards from the structure deck being like the Branded Fusion and the Mirror Jade and just seeing how much of an effect that can have in the meta. Um, yeah. I really like that too, just because like I really have to respect that deck when I go to an event. Um, because even though I really think that Striker has a good matchup against it, it's still something that gives such a good grind game that you have to respect it. Um, which I think is really nice too, and it's definitely a change in pace in the game because before all we really saw was like Prank Kid, and that was like be all end all, but it's, it's crazy now that we have this, and it's automatically like one of the best, if not the best, in the game currently. Yeah, the deck really is absolutely insane, and I think that it's interesting. I'm gonna, I'm really looking forward to seeing what some of these lists actually look like because when you think about it more in depth, there's a couple of different ways that Despia is being built right now. You have the adventure version, and then you have a version that leans more into the Edge Imp and the Patchwork Engine. Now, some people don't like the Patchwork Engine, and some people don't like the Despia. I mean, the branded... Oh, gosh. The Adventure Engine <laughs> in the Despia deck. We got there eventually. Yeah, yeah, we got there. We got there. It's, it's Listen, it's late. <laughs> it's been a long day. Second time recording this. It's, there's a lot happening. <laughs> but, um... I don't know that I'm ready to call Despia the best deck. I know I mentioned that earlier. And I know that it does have the largest cut of top cut here. But I think it's fair to say that while yes, it does represent more of top cut than any other deck that we know of. Four of the four or five of the unknowns could be prank kids, but I think that it's fair to say that Despia probably has the highest representation in top cut. I think that it's also fair to say that the Despia deck probably has the highest representation when it comes to the overall field and that this with it, it's kind of new, new toy syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so, and also the deck's fairly cheap to build. Yeah. When you compare it with things like the adventure prank kid deck or the, the base decks or the sword soul decks where you have to get things like Baron and where you have to get things like the adventure engine and destroy Phoenix enforcer plus the fusion destiny magician souls magician souls yeah chaos. It, it can get expensive real quick yeah absolutely so I mean just the adventure package just time I look was what $300 yeah oh, it's around there I mean you you could literally build the entire Despia deck minus hand traps which don't it doesn't even run that many hand traps for around $300 yeah for the price of one two three four five six like seven, eight eight nine cards at most yeah yeah in the adventure engine right yeah i think that the despia deck i'm not, I'm not gonna say it's budget I, i'm not i i acknowledge that 300 dollars is absolutely not budget for the vast majority of the player base but when you compare it to the decks that we've had over the last year or two where you're looking at some of the best decks in the meta all being that really expensive upwards of a thousand dollars for a meta deck this is a nice change of pace and could be a reason that we see the representation number being the way it is i mean it's realistic that 20 to 25 percent of the initial room of 1250 players was despia and i know that sounds like a crazy number and it sounds like a lot and it might be on the high side i acknowledge that but 
it does help explain why Despia has such high representation here. I'm not saying it's not a good deck. It absolutely is a very, very good deck. But I would take the representation numbers. I'm not gonna say, I'm not even gonna say with a grain of salt. But I wouldn't put every I wouldn't put all my dice. I wouldn't put all my eggs into the Despia basket and say that it's the best deck just based off these representation numbers in top cut i i mean is that a fair assessment because i still think that prank kids sword soul things like this are just really good decks that shouldn't be discounted just because despia is around yeah i definitely think that prank kid is still the best deck um i think that deck just has a lot going for it still and there's nothing wrong with that either i there's a lot of people who will say that the other deck the despia deck will end up being the best and that, like, it might be true at some point. Um, but as far as right now goes, I think that Prank still is definitely adjusting to the meta and what's going on. And that's one thing that it just shows how good of a deck it is in general is because if you can adapt in a deck to any situation like that, then I feel like you're objectively miles ahead of everything else. Yeah, and I also think that the Despia deck, for the most part, hasn't really been figured out yet. When you look at the Adventure Prank deck, that deck has been around for a couple of months and people have time to really people have had time to really figure out the deck figure out the lines figure out the ins and outs of the deck and what goes into a proper build of that deck whereas despia people are divided on what engines to run on the deck people are divided on a lot of things so until we see a really standardized list and a standardized way that it's accepted this is the best version of the deck I don't know that we'll see Despia truly be the best deck in the room, right? The deck is not solved yet. Just like this meta right now is not solved, that deck is also not solved. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I think that's really important. And it's it's really something that with the Despia deck, it, it's kind of wild too, because there are so many variants. And even my buddy just went top eight at the Columbus Regional and he was not playing the fried fur engine and even i think that that's just like really needed right but there's a lot right. of lists out there that just also don't agree so I, I think that's really interesting just in itself that uh one build or like one deck can have so many different builds yeah absolutely so that's the despia deck in a nutshell uh, i think we also covered destiny adventure prank kids pretty well there but i will still focus on it for just a moment i still think that it is if it's not the best deck in the room then it's probably tied but prank kids has a lot going for it it is a tier one deck for sure without a doubt and i think that when you're deck building and making your tech choices this is a deck that obviously you need to consider and it's a deck that you need to be aware of so don't take the don't take the prank kid deck lightly because it doesn't have the highest representation at this particular top, top cut. Understand that it will still be at the top tables. It will still be a top deck and it will still be played. Yeah, we just talked about this too about the fact that in both the previous YCSs that we saw the prank kid versus Destria matchup in the finals both times. So it definitely is warranted to be there. Absolutely. Next, we have Sword Soul. Sword Soul is really interesting. It's the only deck on this list where it's not really being meshed with adventure. 
it's not really being meshed with a DPE engine. It's just, it's Swords Altenia. It's doing its own thing. It's just in the room vibing. <laughs> and it's pretty interesting to me that you consistently see four to five of these in top cut at these YCSs. When you look at the deck and it doesn't really feel like a deck that is doing the same things that these other decks are doing. You know, it's not linking off Reverte. It's not sending water enchantress with Cherubini. It's not doing these things that the other decks are just doing consistently. It's just focused on making its synchro board, making Chi Zhao Baron, drawing a couple cards, and having a couple hand traps in hand, and then winning the game. But I also think that Sword Soul is interesting because it has a very good matchup against Despia. So take from that what you will. But overall, I think Sword Soul is a pretty cool meta call. The thing that the deck has going against it as much as any other deck is that D-Barrier really hurts and Token Collector really hurts. And these are cards that are very prevalent in the meta. So it's interesting to me is to see these decks topping, even though these counters are so prevalent in the meta and not even necessarily for this deck, right? Yeah, I mean, like when you're running Sword Soul, you got to realize that everyone's side decking Token Collector and that card is just such a lopsided uh, power card against Sword Soul because the second that is resolving and it's in the game, it's very hard to progress when you're playing Sword Soul. You have to go neg to get rid of it or have... Yeah, you either have to have Chalice or Droplet or you have to go neg with an Adhara and then a Long Yan and then you have to discard something for the Long Yan just to not get a token and then synchro into a Yazi and then hope they don't have something for the Yazi. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not in the Sword Soul's favor in that point. Um, Also, the fact that everyone has D-Barrier in their side isn't helping either. Um, right, so right. definitely a few things that are unfortunate to say the least Big but it's uh it kind of is what it is though right like you really have to adapt to the meta and like we just saw walter jewel top the um previous ycs as well which i think is also very important to note because there was quite a few tech cards in the list especially things like night beam which is always just one of those cards that come in and out of the meta um, oh was Nightbeam a tech card in one of the lists? Yes, it was. That's amazing. Because I was literally sitting here at my desk like a week ago or less thinking, man, Nightbeam seems kind of cool right now. Oh, yeah, that's a nice set quick play spell you got there. That's a that's a super sweet uh, Prank Kids Fusion spell. That's a sweet branded in red. Let's not. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I don't really like the card personally. I think that it's pretty good. But at the same point is that you just can't respond with that specific card. You can respond with something else and then respond with that card. Right, right. So like if they have Mirror Jade live, they can just go Mirror Jade target itself and then chain branded in red. But so it's like, still funny. <laughs> like, it's not, like, terrible, and I could definitely see the application where it'd be good, but I just feel like that card in particular is not that crazy. Um, yeah. But that's just something, again, with, like, theorying that you just got to think about um, is how many decks are going to have some kind of response on board. It's the same argument with, like, Dark Ruler, right? 
It's like when you play against like Dragon, like Dark Ruler is terrible because they just go, or you go Dark Ruler, they go Chain a Card, then Chain Hot Red, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it is what it is, but I, I definitely could see where it was really helpful. I could see where it might not have been helpful. Yeah, definitely. That's an interesting card to bring up, though, very specifically. All right, next I want to talk about Adventure Phantom Knight DP. This is a deck that we saw a lot more at the very beginning, right when Adventure released. This was like the Scythe deck. It was the deck that people were playing with Adventure. Everybody just kind of figured at first that, hey, Phantom Knight's going to be the best deck. And it really never had the representation in Top Cut that people just expected of it. And that's, I find, very interesting. And it's interesting to see it pop up now of all times. So, I don't know. Maybe just people weren't really expecting it and it kind of snuck up on the meta. But and it's interesting to see a couple of them top here. So, with Phantom Knight... It's really one of those things where the deck was pretty decent before and it started topping quite a bit. But at the beginning of the format, when everyone was ready for it, the deck became absolutely terrible because everyone's citing Lancia for it. The sideboards were overlapping for it. And there was just a lot of situations lot where, yeah, like everything was just kind of against it. And now that it's not common and people aren't exactly saying that, like, that's something to look out for, right? That's where it really does shine, where it still has a lot of nice combo. Uh, there's still a lot of ways that you can play. Uh, that's what I really like about the deck. And so right now, I'm not really surprised to see it topping, especially with it being like one of the better decks to do the Scythe Lock with. I think it's the second right. best deck to do it with, but I definitely think that it's a solid one to, uh, to be working with. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next we have Tri Brigade Branded. This deck is so cool. I don't know that it's so good, but it's so cool for sure. So that deck, you have to run a lot of, uh, it's run a lot of Garnets, which I don't know if I love. It's depending too on which build you're running. If you're running like the Albion, like the, the dragon um, with the trap card, or if you're just running like the Brand Infusion and the Mercurier, or if you're running all four. Um, yeah, I think that the one with this just running the bird and the fusion, I think that one's really nice. Uh, but when it comes to the extra garnets and that type of a deck, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I like Trigrade alone though. I actually said that a couple weeks ago, um, that the Trigrade deck was going to win the regional that I was playing, and it ended up going 10 0 at a different regional. Uh, so it was wow. definitely really cool to see that too. I just kind of knew that that was going to be like the deck that would really sneak up on everyone because I was testing it online for a little while and I was like, man, this deck's kind of wild with all these new cards. And um, I definitely think that it has a footing in the format now and we'll be seeing a bit more Tri-Brigade very soon. Yeah, I think that Tri-Brigade is, is an interesting choice because when you think about it, the engine itself hasn't had any hits. All the hits have come either to the Zodiac engine or the Lyralisk engine. So it's interesting to see it take more of a pure form with the actual Despia cards and the actual branded cards. For example, Tribrigade Mercurier. This is something that came out of the structure deck. It represents a, a monster negate in the form of a hand trap. 
Yeah, Spoiled. I still think that it's wild that those two are working together right now because one's all about fusions and the other one's all about Lincoln. So it's uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see that combination. Yeah, it absolutely is. But I think it's really nice to see the to see the Tri Brigade deck being meshed with something that it was actually built and intended to mesh with. I think that that's a really interesting dynamic that we haven't seen from the Tri Brigade deck so far. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I definitely think that it's nice to get some more decks going in the meta, um, especially because Tri Brigade fell out for a while after Bird Up got hit really hard. Um, right. But I still thought that it's one of those decks that just has one of the best utility spots um, as far as room and uh, still being able to play the cat, honestly. Like the rescue cat yeah. is nuts. Um, yeah, that card is insane. Playing cat gamma is just, you know, it's a mood. Um, so yeah. that's uh, definitely really nice to see that back in the meta because that's a deck that I was just really surprised. And I'm pretty sure it was just lack of representation of the deck in a lot of the events that we we're going to. But like, Tribrigade yeah. was bound to come back very fast. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is a representation thing. I think that if this deck saw the representation that Branded did, you would see a lot more of these in top cut. But it's probably only had a handful of pilots in the entire room. But it's really interesting to see just how strong this deck can perform when given the opportunity. I'm interested to see how far this deck actually went in the tournament itself. All right. Next, we have Adventure Cybers Eldritch DPE. I don't think that this deck is anything super surprising. It's the best Scythe lock deck that there is. And until Scythe gets hit, this deck will be there. It also it has a crazy recursion engine in Eldritch. It has a crazy one-card starters with the Cybers engine. It has it can throw out an Omni Negate with the Adventure engine, as well as using that to link climb. And DPE, of course, the recursion engine of Eldlich and the power of Eldlich to just never run out of resources meshes so well with DP. So I'm not surprised at all to see this deck here. Yeah, it's also one of those things too where at the very least you can just run like skill drain and then have a 3500 beat stick that can be killed by card effects, which is pretty crazy. Um, so I really like that aspect of the deck too because like you can play really aggro or you can play very control. Um, and I feel like that's just why that deck is so strong right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, the deck's good. I don't know what else to say. Adventure Dragon Link DPE is an interesting deck. I think that this deck kind of suffers from it has to run like <clears throat> it has to run like 60 cards. You basically have to see the adventure package. You have to see the you have to be, have that line into DPE and you still have to have your Dragon Link line. It's potentially it can do crazy things, but I don't think that this deck is as good as the other decks in the room, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think that the deck is still one of the better decks, though, um, simply because it's always in top cut. The deck itself is very consistent. Um, the ability to just have the one card starters, that's just everything, honestly. Um, I think that moving forward, we're going to see more of it. I think the Eldritch has just really started it itself again in the format, and it's just going to keep going. Talking about Dragon Link. Oh, I was doing Eldritch, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're good. No, yeah, no, um, Eldritch is crazy. <laughs> um, no, in my own head, I was actually thinking about it because that's something that I'm actually thinking about moving forward playing. Um, and uh, every time I start thinking about that deck, I just start thinking about it in my head. 
Um, but the Adventure of Dragonlink deck, um, that one, it's really just not strong um, at the moment. I think that its Despia matchup is really bad um, currently, which is really surprising because it's just one of those decks that have always been good, right? Um, it's never really lost its spotlight. So to really say that Dragonlink isn't the greatest, it really is surprising. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I, the deck's good, sure, it does a lot of stuff, but I think it needs to run, like, when you're running up at that 60-card mark, you're not running a Magician Souls package, probably, because it doesn't mesh well with the deck. I mean, you could be. You absolutely could. But If you wanted to go that route, that is. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just don't think that the deck has the consistency in a 60-card deck that things like Cyrus Eldritch do. No. Most definitely not. Uh, particularly since a good chunk of the deck has already been hit. Yeah, a good chunk of the deck has already been hit. Not only that, but then also a good chunk of the de- of the rocket engine also kind of locks you into Dark Dragons. Yeah. So after so that, like after so after you extend to a certain point, you can only extend further using uh, Dark Dragons off your extra deck. Right. <clears throat> Next, we have Adventurer Salamangrate DP. Salad is an interesting choice. People are talking about Gazelle and Circle to Three, which would be cool. But honestly, I think Salad's in an okay place as a solid rogue option. I don't necessarily know that they need all that gas back. And getting two and three Gazelle, and actually, I think Circle's already at two. I think. But I don't know that. I, I just, haven't looked. <laughs> yeah, I have. I don't have the list in front of me, but. I just don't know that those card that we're ready for those cards to come back yet. But it is interesting to see it topping. And Salamangrate can thrive right now in a format where D Barrier is prevalent because it's a link engine. And also being able to put out the Ibli to lock your opponent out of things that aren't link summons is pretty nice. Unless you're playing against a deck that can just make Verte, in which case, eh, not as nice, but still interesting. Unless you're somehow able to U-lock your opponent and then also give them Nibbly on top of that. Yeah, so just do what happened to Caleb at the YCS. Twice! Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the Salad deck, I always feel like it has a really interesting spot in the format. Because with Salad, I know that it's going to be getting more cards off the list soon, hopefully. Um, That's what everyone's saying, right? We're going to be getting, like, two or three circle. Uh, Well, it's already at two, so probably, like, three circle. Uh and And then i just i just looked it up it's a two yeah so we'll get like three circle we might get like a second gazelle um what people don't realize though is that when somebody who's been piloting salad for a while picks it back up that deck's actually pretty scary diverse because of the grind game and the amount of resources that can be in the graveyard because it doesn't take much for that deck to go off and it also can main deck floodgates like rivalry and gozen so it's definitely something where if it does get more support, I know it's like a meme deck right now and it's just like access code go burr. But other than that, like the deck itself really can grind and it can turn into a meta heavy deck very fast. So I'm not really surprised seeing it in top cut because again, if someone's been piling that deck for a long time and they really realize how you should be playing the deck right now with more of a mid range game than like just trying to go for game. I think that it's not the worst deck. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst deck by any means, but 
I'm pretty hesitant to give them back three gazelle or three circle. That's all I'm saying. No mean. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting because if that ever comes back to like full power, that's something that I would even consider playing. You know, like that, that's actually one of my favorite cards in the game is uh, Flame Buffalo. That card says draw two. <laughs> the card's so <laughs> good. So I don't know. That, that's something where if that actually came back to like full power status, I probably would try it out. Yeah, it's definitely worth thinking about. Next, we have Adventure Synchro. So I'm assuming that this is like the Rose Dragon Adventure deck. Uh, a lot of people are calling it rad uh, based. The, but this is like the cut down to 40 list. I think that this is an interesting deck. It's interesting to me that it doesn't seem to see as much representation here necessarily as other decks. A lot of that could be about the price point of the deck. A lot of that could be that the deck is, I would say, notoriously difficult to play. But regardless, pretty cool. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, you're running a deck that runs like 17 hand traps. Yeah. And uses them as combo pieces. In addition to using your adventure package as combo pieces, you're pretty reliant upon seeing the adventure engine. But when you're playing things like Three Prosperity, when you're playing things like Souls to draw cards, I mean, you're going to see it, you know? Statistically, anyway. Right, exactly. So, it's an interesting deck. Um, it's interesting, though. It's, it's crazy to me that this deck doesn't really have the it's interesting i keep saying it's interesting i need to quit saying that yeah <laughs> it's it's odd that this deck doesn't have a higher representation though because of the players like asala jesse cotton and cody angeloff popularizing this deck at ycs charlotte normally when you see a lot of pro players like that all therioing and labbing one deck it sees a lot more representation, but we don't really have that representation here. Now, the deck's pretty difficult to play. The combo lines are very non-intuitive, but at the end of the day, it's a very good deck that I don't think you should sleep on. And it's really interesting because it can be kind of difficult to understand where to hand trap the deck. Because, as I've said, it's pretty unintuitive. It's something that you really have to kind of figure out where you want to go with it before you actually commit into things yeah the the sad deck it's really cool in a sense that you can go straight into a baron without really giving your opponent a window to hand trap because there isn't really one um other than like d shifter but i think that the deck itself it's definitely one of those things where it's very reliant on drawing certain cards and other times it's like, I hope my Hulk of Fibrax doesn't get ashed or impermed. And right. uh, that seems very scary. So I think that's where the amount of players using the deck is very low. Um, I also think that when we had these types of decks, that they did really well because nobody knew what it was. And so yeah. now that more people know what it was, and again, there's overlapping sideboard cards coming in, like D-Barrier Token Collector... That's where the deck is really seeing a downfall because there's so many cards that counter it that it just becomes a really rough time to play it. Right. Absolutely. And then we have seven unknowns. I think that we can leave those alone mainly because guess what? We don't know what they are. 
But there are a couple of decks that I want to mention here that's really interesting that we don't see them at all in top cut. Uh, mainly Fluanderees. Normally, I think you would see a good bit more Fluanderees than you see here. And I think that a large reason that you don't see it here is simply because of you have so many of these decks that are playing things like the Necro World Banshee to activate Zombie World from the deck. That combo's crazy, and it really hurts this deck. Yeah, it's very strong. Um, there's also a lot of back row removal in everyone's sideboard right now. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely a rough day to play the Flunderbirds. For sure. Uh, other than that, are there any other decks that you're kind of surprised to not see in Top Cut? Caleb, Gary? Uh, not particularly, no. Everything was kind of what I expected. No Sky Striker. Um, I'm not really surprised to see No Striker. I feel like that's a deck that you literally have to play to a T. Like, you have to play it perfectly. Or else it's just not going to reward you. Um, it's one of those things where if you mess up one time, you really put yourself behind in a match. And uh, there, there's a lot of decks out there that they also just need a lot of things to go right for them to be good. Um, there's also a lot of decks out there that need to go first. Um, because True. we always put a lot of decks into categories, like even when I'm doing a tier list. And usually I would put certain decks a little lower because they don't have the ability to really play second. Um, if you see your opponent start making full board and you have to scoop because your deck doesn't break that, um, I think that there's a problem. And I think that's where we're starting to see the divide and the better decks from the worst decks in our format currently, which is funny because I feel like our format never really got solved, period. I feel like everyone's always just been like, you know, this is the best deck, this is the best deck, this just became best deck, or like we keep swapping back and forth. And it's even just like the Despia deck. Like, there's a hundred different options to do when you're using the deck. So I just am really hoping that we get a ban list rather soon. Because I really want to just get into a format that is solved. That's why I'm very excited for Splite. Because I just want it to be a nice either triangle or just one to two deck format and call it a day. Because I feel like at that point, we're relying more on the skill base of the mirror matches. And that's what I really enjoy about the game. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I don't know that Splite will be as good here as it is in the OCG, simply because we don't have Maxi, so we can't search it with Splite. But, which is unfortunate. I mean, I don't think it's unfortunate at all. I think we're very <laughs> fortunate to not have a... Oh, no, 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 it's unfortunate for Splite. Yeah. Um. I think we're very fortunate to not have... Um, yeah, so like as far as I know, the deck's just going to be totally awesome turbo, which isn't a bad thing because totally because especially because they can like use totally awesome and then revive it yeah on yeah. top of having a spell and a, a spell trap and a monster negate right okay let's take just a moment to of course thank our sponsor etv games so for those that don't know etv games is our locals in alexandria louisiana ETB Games is your one-stop shop for everything that you need for all of your Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Digimon, whatever card game needs. They have singles and sealed product. They have deck boxes, binders, playmats, sleeves, appropriately sized for all of those card games. They also have everything that you need for all of your tabletop games. They have the books, they have the mats, they have a space to play, they have the figurines, paint for the figurines, everything that you could need, tons of dice, 
all of that. They also have a great space to hang out and play some video games if you're wanting to do that. Be sure to check them out. Like I said, they are in Alexandria, Louisiana. I believe this weekend they are having the ETB Battle City Monthly. If you're interested in that, please come and check us out. All right, so let's talk about some cards that are good tech options in the format. So I think that there are some cards that stand out above and beyond others. We've mentioned some of them. We haven't mentioned others, but I want to start with Dimensional Barrier. I think that this card stands out above and beyond the rest when it comes to this particular format. It is incredible in the Despia matchup. It's incredible in the Sword Soul matchup. It's incredible in any of the Synchro decks, the Rose Dragon Adventure Synchro, whatever. It shines in those matchups. It can be a little crusty in some other matchups, like the Prank Kids matchup or the uh, Eldritch matchup, things like that. So I wouldn't main deck it, but I think that it's one of the strongest side deck cards of the format. Fair assessment? I would I would say so at least anyway. Oh, through my humble opinion. Fair. Are we all agreed then? D-Barrier is good. D-Barrier is so, very good. D-Barrier is really nice right now. It's something though where you have to have a deck that can either really take control of the game in that one turn or just straight up OTK. Because if you flip D-Barrier on Despia or Sword Soul and you can't put up a good board or you can't just OTK... They will OTK. Yes. So it's one of those things where, yes, D-Barrier is pretty good, but you better be prepared to set up some kind of floodgate, some kind of like nice board, OTK. You need yeah. to do something behind it. You need to have the follow through to back it up. Which is fair. So next card I want to talk about is Token Collector. Token Collector. I'm sorry. The card's insane. Yeah, Token Collector is good in any deck that has an adventure matchup, specifically if that deck summons extra tokens outside of adventure. So when you look at it, you have the you have adventure prank kids, you have Sword Soul, and surprisingly the Eldritch deck actually summon some tokens because I believe one of the Cybers Link monsters that they use. When it's linked off, it summons a couple of tokens. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. It sounds a lot like Link Cross, who is no, 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 no. banned. No, no, no. Uh, it's one of the uh, Cybers effect monsters that they use. Yeah, it's Link Devotee. Yeah, Devotee. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Token Collector, great card in a lot of matchups. And it's really good right now, especially when you can like send it off of Shooting Riser if you don't need to send Snow or whatever. Good card. I would absolutely consider it in the side deck of any deck that is not exactly Sword Soul because Sword Soul cannot side deck Token Collector. I mean, could in theory, but like, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, not super ideal, but Token Collector is one of those cards that's literally just game. Like, if you have it against Sword Soul and they don't have an answer to it, it it's, it's just game. Um, yeah, it, it is the end of the game. That and, like, Cyrus Eldritch, you reveal Token Collector, it's an oof. 
It's uh, it's one of those cards that I will not take out of my side until tokens are not relevant. Right. Uh, and then there's Dino, who's just kind of off in the corner maining it because they want their po- tokens to be popped. True. Which is hilarious to me. Caleb, quit playing Dino. I don't like it. <laughs> it scares me. Of course, There's been a very big increase of people playing Dino right now, which is pretty surprising. Dino's a good deck. Dino is a surprisingly good deck right now because of the ability to main cards like Gamma and Token Collector. And it can play into the Despia board really well because it will not give Despia a turn three or another turn. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's very decent. Um, I don't know if it's like super crazy. Uh it's like decent though. Being able to put up UCT Dolka Token Collector. <laughs> As a sword tool player, I cry. Yeah, but there's just like a lot of hand traps in the format right now, and I know like Misk stops those, but like you also have to get to Misk, so like your small worlds and your prosperities need to resolve. Um, and you just you need to see it, otherwise hand trap central is just it's tough for that deck. But a card that we're going to talk about next that is not really in the format is Artifact Lancia. True. And that card murders Dino. Well, it keeps them off of you uh, of exactly Ultimate Conductor and the Mist Special Summon, but they can still... And it keeps them off of extending with Giant Rex. Yeah, but it, they can still, at minimum, probably still put out like a Dolka. However... It's, however... It's, words you never hear the same again. Yeah, it is exact uh, one dolka isn't a great board it's a it's a board but it's one that's fairly easily easily broken with literally forbidden chalice yeah <laughs> what do I care? You don't even need you don't even need anything else just forbidden chalice let's go yeah so i think lancy is a really interesting card right now i don't know that it hits enough to justify its play i for whatever reason, cannot find myself cutting it from my side deck because the card is just so good. Like, it's not good when it's not good, but when it's good, yo, it's good. <laughs> I think it's because you played me a lot and Lancia just kind of murders, murders the past two decks I've played. True. That could, it could, you're actually absolutely correct. It could be bias, but. Yo, it feels so good to be like Lancia. Pass. Feels good. What about how do we feel about Dark Ruler no more? Not right now. I don't think it's that good. I don't think there's Um, a big enough board that actually matters to Dark Ruler right now. Yeah, I tried it out a little bit and I was whelmed, very whelmed by it. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, just whelmed. It's it's a good card, but this is just not the not, not the format. Not the format for it. And as, it's interesting you say that because I I feel like Dark Ruler is pretty good right now. I think that when you play it into a lot of these boards that are very very reliant upon putting out kind of the board like you know, basically any of the synchro decks, I think Dark Ruler is really good into those decks. Of course, you also have D Barrier for those decks, so. Maybe one option for going first, one option for going second. I don't know, but I think Dark Ruler is pretty cool. 
that's my personal take. Yeah, I just don't think there's any boards right now that actually like need a dark ruler to answer them though. So like maybe in the future, but just not now. I think in the splite form of that card's insane, but just not need, yeah. needed at the moment. Yeah. But I mean, you could always just do what I did that one time. Uh, Regeki Chalice. Yeah, I mean, if you've got <laughs> Regeki, then just Regeki, Baron Negate, Chalice. All right, then. <laughs> GG's, you got it. <laughs> yeah, Burner Chain Widow. My best combo against the deck. Right. All right, how do we feel about Droll and Lockbird? Uh, also very meh. Also just very, very meh. Uh, a lot of people want to side it against like the Despia deck, but if they open opening and they do it in the draw phase, it just matters so much less. And okay. it's just, it's one of those things where like, yes, it's good against the pile decks, but like there's such better sideboard cards right now um, than even Dark Ruler or Droll. Okay. How do we feel about Ghost Bell? Um, Ghost Bell, it depends. So here's the thing. I'll will... actually, I'll lump in Ghost Bell and Ghost Ogre together. I know they're very different cards that serve very different purposes, but I kind of feel the same way about them. So Bell is one of those cards that is like mandatory to run, but it also depends on how much you respect people main decking branded lost. If you don't think that they're main decking branded lost, you can get away with playing just like the two. I've seen some people go less and just use it as a cross out target. Um, but if you think that no one's going to be on that card, then you could just play three of it, and then it's really solid in that matchup. Um, right. It, it's really interesting because once we all saw Lost in the format, we're just like, wow, Bell says activation. This card's terrible. <laughs> so, like, it's kind of, again, like that 50-50 shot on do you think more people are going to be on Lost than not or no? Right. As far as Ogre goes, that card's just mandatory. Like, you need to be able to hit adventure with that. Because most decks that rely on adventure to go off, you just auto-win the second you ogre it. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I personally am on 2-2 on both. But... I don't know. I think ogre... I think ogre's still very good into, like you said, into any of the adventure matchups. And I kind of feel the same way about Ghost Bell that Caleb feels about dark ruler very whelmed yeah so how do we feel about nibiru uh that card in this format is terrible it's just one of those things where there's not like i was saying earlier with dark ruler like there's not a lot of very big boards and there's not a lot of people extending super hard um which is where i feel like that card is really lackluster I think that if you keep it in your sideboard, that's still smart because there's still people running like Sword Soul and whatnot. But there's just not enough like combo in the format right now for me to think that that card would be warranted to play. Yeah, I think that that's fair. If you look at the Sword Soul matchups as a whole, um, Nibiru is very solid into the Sword Soul matchup, just as it is into a lot of the current matchups. But when you have either branded playing completely under nibiru and not even summoning five times or nibiru doesn't necessarily hurt them when you activate it nibiru can put them in a place where they kind of already want to be additionally you can also end up playing against a deck like the rose dragon synchro deck 
That deck can put out the Wandering Griffin Rider in five summons or less. And then follow that up with a Baron immediately. So Nibiru feels really subpar this format because either they're summoning less than five times or they're putting up a, a, a negate in less than five. So my thoughts on Nibiru. I have cut it from my main end side. I think a card that everyone should be citing right now, though, is Summon Limit. That card's insane. <laughs> ah! Ah. All right, let's talk for a moment about Summon Limit because uh, I know that if you, I know that when we talked to Chris Lofton last week after his YCS win, you had Summon Limit being the card that basically won him the game in finals. So I know that you're very in on Summon Limit right now, Gary. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I played 16 games at different events. Every single time that I saw Summon Limit, I auto won. So that card is goaded. Like, it's just one of those things where, like, if your opponent does not have the out for Summon Limit, it's just GG. Like, they go... Summon Search, go Brand Fusion, make Lubellion, flip Summon Limit, GG. It's like, that card is so absurd. Also, if you're playing DPE and you have DPE Summon Limit, that's literally FTK. It's actually FTK. Like, it's so yeah. wild. Like, if you have that or the ability to play that card, you play it. That card's nuts. That card makes me cry. I hate that card. That card should be banned. I'm not even joking. <laughs> it is very antithetical to what the game has become. It is the complete opposite of what we consider Yugo to be. It was released at a time when summoning twice in a turn was not, like necessarily the norm summon thunder king pass was a legitimate play you know like like the set most, a monster pass like the most common play where summon limit would even be feasible as an as a proper effect is normal summon tengu crash or even when you look at some of the okay. synchro combo decks yeah yeah or like normal summon lone fire effect that's two summons yeah but at the end of the day Then compared to now, it's a completely different ballgame. I really think that summon limit is goes completely against what the game has become. It's a completely different uh, children's card game on motorcycles. Yeah, uh, and I, I I very firmly believe that that is a card that should be banned. So that's my thoughts, and I'm sticking to it. All right, let's do podcast question of the day. So. Last episode's podcast question of the day was what deck do you think is the best deck in the meta right now? So we got some different answers. Brave Prank, then Branded, then Based. Uh, Some people think that once the ratios are figured out, Adventure Branded is best. You know, again, Brave Prank Kids, the Sad or Rad deck, things like that. We got a lot of different answers. We, of course, got people saying things like Pendulum. I disagree. Striker best deck. And of course, we have crazy people saying things like striker best deck. Uh, again, I disagree, but I respect your right to a wrong opinion. <laughs> um, We, of course, have people saying things like Mystic Mine, Megalith, Melfi Tri-Brigade, Adagnister. Listen, I know you all think you're funny. And you kind of are. 
that's it. That's all I've got. I'm done with that was the end of the sentence. All right. <laughs> so this week's podcast question of the day is what do you think is the best tech card in the meta? I think it's D barrier. Uh, I am open to being convinced that it is token collector, but D barrier is a hell of a card. What do you guys think? What's the best tech card in the meta? Um, as far as right now, I I still think that a lot of people like I'm looking at TCG player right now. Did you know that alt art bells are like thirteen dollars? Yeah, yeah. Dual Devastator was one of the best purchases I've ever made. I bought three of them when I got back into the game for $90. Feels so good. That's like actually insane though. Like alt art bells are $13. Crazy. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to like tech cards, I'm like trying to think about like my side right now. It's like not even a tech card anymore, but I still think like token collector is, it should be a mandatory side three. Um, and I see some people that are like pulling it out of their sideboard and like, no, like it stays there. Like, even if Despy is best deck, like you keep token collector on your side. That card's broken. Yeah, that card's insane. That card ends decks. Uh, I will say a very underrated tech choice is actually Red Reboot. That's not a tech choice. That's like <laughs> something you just put in your side deck. It's like, okay, I'm building my side deck. What fair, do I start with? Fair. Red Reboot. Fair. That is fair. <laughs> At least for me, anyway. I don't like back row decks. Neither do I. So for me, it's just a mandatory start with. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, I would have to agree with Token Collector kind of being a mandatory three in the side in the side right now. Right. And probably up until Sword Soul and uh, Adventure both get either uh, Power Crept out or... They get the axe on the list. Or face the wrath of the Banhammer. Right. All right. That'll wrap us up for today's episode. Guys, do you have any closing thoughts? I'm good. Striker Best Why don't you go ahead and plug all your stuff? Uh, again, Striker Best Deck. But, um, <laughs> so, if you've not already looked at my channel, I'm on Twitch, I'm on YouTube. Definitely go ahead and check it out. I talk about why Striker is the best deck is all the time um, on the channel. But no, more, more importantly, um, I do help teach everyone learn how to get better at the game where to hand trap and then also if you'd like a coaching session over at metafight definitely go ahead and check me out over there all right you heard it here folks be sure to check out gary on metafight check him out on twitter youtube twitch everywhere that you get your Yu-Gi-Oh content you can find ggygo he is absolutely one of the most interesting channels to watch in my opinion also, be sure to check him out on Metify. I cannot recommend Gary enough. He is a great dude and a great player. And we're not just saying that because he's right here listening. Right. I promise. <laughs> right. 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 Okay. <laughs> so also be sure, of course, to check out our Patreon. Check out our TCG Player Affiliate link. Be sure to check out all of those wonderful things. Check out ETB Games. Check out team dark arm dealings there that is our sister channel from locals they have all of the tournament coverage and deck profiles from all the tournaments that we go to be sure to check all that out the links are all in the description down below and until next time have a great week everybody take care everyone later hi this is Paige from giggly squad and i want to talk to you about splash refresher and my water intake okay so you guys obviously know that i am a hydrated girly But sometimes when you drink that much water, 
it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 